can go ahead and take a seat. Well, welcome. We are glad that you're here. And um, children among us, the little ones, you are invited to your own special time of the kids' table. Uh, we're having some, some fun out there learning the lesson. And what's really cool is that the children are learning the exact same uh, scriptures that we're talking about in here. And it's neat to hear how parents and kids have been having those conversations uh, over the course of the last couple weeks. So we're grateful for all those that are serving as well. And I hope you all, everybody have a good week. Good week. Yes. Yes. Okay. Not uh, a bad week. I'm not going to ask you, but, but like kind of like, how are you feeling about like the weather change, right? Or kind of yeah, good for now, right? Good for now. That's what we say here when it's not 100 degrees. But grateful for all you guys here and those of you online too. Um, really grateful that whether you're on vacation, like I said last week, in someplace exotic that you're going to brag about and tell us how you're like sitting on the beach with palm trees and that kind of thing. Or if you just couldn't make it this Sunday for whatever reason, we are glad that you're able to worship with us online. Um, so... We're continuing our series, uh, the Parables of Jesus and Storytime, um, and um, I want to just start off with a couple questions for you today about what is most important to you, or actually what is more important to you. I'm going to compare two scenarios, and I'm going to have you decide which of those is more important to you, and I want this to be a personal decision, no looking around to see if everybody else is saying the same thing. Okay, you ready? And those of you guys online in the chat, you can put your answers, or you can put LOL, or whatever you would like to put that's reasonable um, and respectable. Um, okay, so let's do this. Um, what's more important to you? Utilizing an all-expenses-paid trip to Super Bowl 57 with the Philadelphia Eagles or getting $1,000? Oh, my. Wow. Do we have all, like, Steelers fans in here? Everybody's like, $1,000. All expenses. Like, who cares who's in the Super Bowl, right? Just, like, go. I don't, I don't. Okay. Anyway, moving on. Um, what's more important to you, a clean kitchen or a clean bathroom? Kitchen, 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 bathroom, right? Don't they say in like restaurants, like if you go to the, use the restroom, like the bathroom actually communicates the kitchen status, okay? Um, anyway, so what's more important to you, having something to read or having something to watch? Mm, read, we've got our readers, our bookies here, and something to watch, right? Favorite shows. Okay, how about... What's more important to you, a friend always being honest Ooh, or a friend always being kind? Mmm. Okay, ready? Honest, kind. I would, both. Okay, we have the both. You can't do both. This, I, that, was not a, just, that was not an option. Um, anyway, we're, everybody's a little... little on, on the good page here. So um, what's more important to you, having someone say you're right or having someone apologize that they're wrong? Ooh, having someone say that you are right. No hands. Oh, we got a couple in the back. Okay. Having someone apologize that they were wrong. Okay. Um, okay, and the last one, what's more important to you, sharing plans for the future or sharing memories of the past? Mmm, sharing 
plans and dreams for the future or sharing memories of the past. So who would say sharing uh, plans for the future? Who would say sharing memories of the past? Like I said, none of these are worse than the others. So, so I think you know, those kind of things tell us, among other things, that um, we all have things in our lives, some that are more important than others. Some that are more important than others. But I want you to think about this question for a minute. We're going to put it up on the screen. Have you ever thought something to be important, only discover later that it wasn't as important as you thought? Mmm, right? I'm not talking about Super Bowl 57 with the Eagles here. But have you ever thought something to be important, only to discover later it wasn't as important as you thought? And how does that usually happen? How does that change in perspective or, or priorities happen? It's usually, most of the time, it's kind of an event, right? It's a turning point. Um, sometimes it's loss or an unexpected change, um, maybe a delay in your plans or your hopes or your dreams, or your aspirations. Um, and I would dare say this, that sometimes God will upset our priorities in order to change them. Sometimes God will intervene, it's not all the time, not every case, but sometimes God will intervene to upset our priorities in order to change them. And, and I would say, you know, if God's been doing some unusual things in your life lately and it seems very difficult to get him to follow your agenda, then maybe he's reorienting your priorities. He's reorienting your priorities. And so maybe God's trying to show us an order of importance. And, and I think... You know, a lot of times we wonder, how can I know God's present and working in my life? And, uh, and how we ask that question, how can we know God's presence in our life? Well, I think it comes down to shifting of our priorities. That sometimes we think that things like having goosebumps when you're listening to worship, right? Or you're worshiping or you're experiencing something. Having goosebumps tells you the presence of God. And I would say probably sometimes, but not all the time. Because I have to confess, I listen to Bruno Mars and I also get goosebumps. <laughs> Feelings. Do they always prove the presence of God? No. No, because God can be fully present without feeling him necessarily. And I would even dare say this. Even blessings, blessings in our lives do not prove the presence of of God. What proves the presence of God in our lives is when our priorities begin to align with his. That it requires kind of a collision of sorts to happen because a lot of times our priorities are formed by cultural priorities, by, by world priorities, and world priorities are much different than kingdom priorities. So when you're experiencing that collision or that shift or that change, maybe God is drawing you into an alignment of your priorities with his. Well, today's parable describes one such collision that happens among those priorities. And so we're, we've been in this series, Storytime, um, this, this kind of like second half of the summer here. And we're talking about the parables of Jesus, the stories that Jesus told to communicate to people what the kingdom of God is like. Because it's very hard to talk in abstract principles about things. We, we learn better through stories and illustrations. And that's how what we remember, what connects to us. But there was another reason that Jesus told parables. Well, and that was because he could make really bold claims that revealed truth to people who were open to them. 
He could make really bold claims using a story that revealed some kind of truth to people that were open-minded and that were changeable and that whose eyes would be opened. And so this parable we're looking at today comes in Luke chapter 12, and it's printed in your um, worship guides. It's also online for you guys online. You can go check that out on the website. If you want to follow along or come back to it later, we'll also have it up on the screen here. But um, it, there's a very important context for this parable in Luke 12. Because it'd be easy for us to just jump right in and tell the story and then kind of unpack it. But, but we have to back up. And I would say this. Whenever you're reading scripture, it's very, very important, whether even in like a devotional or you're doing a study or whatever, to back up. To back up to the beginning. To what comes before the passage you're about to read. Because a lot of times, the writer is telling us the context of why this is being told or why this is happening. And, and if we back up all the way to the beginning of chapter 12, we see at this point in Jesus' ministry, there's thousands of people who are coming to see Jesus. There's thousands of people. And Jesus is teaching the disciples about the hypocrisy of the Pharisees at this point. And he's telling them not to be concerned about the opinions of others, that God's love has to be the motive for all that we say and all that we do. And so Jesus is teaching, and this is what's going on. And it's in the midst of that scene, this scene, that somebody in the crowd raises their hand and has something to say to Jesus. So I'm going to ask you just a question. If you had the opportunity to tell Jesus one thing, what would it be? If you had an opportunity, say you were in a crowd around Jesus, physically present there, and you had one opportunity to say something to Jesus, what would it be? Well, let's look at what this guy says. Someone in the crowd said to him, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. <laughs> really? Really? He, this guy, he wants Jesus to command his brother to give a portion of his wealth? Like, don't you got anything better than that? Like, this is this, you're standing before the Savior of the world, and all this guy can think about is his wealth. Like, it doesn't seem to make sense, but I think it shows us something that we do too, right? That priorities dictate what you see and what you miss. Priorities in our lives dictate what we see, but also what we miss. He missed the Son of God standing right in front of him. Like, how many of us would like, we would love to have the opportunity to talk to Jesus. And so we also realize this. This guy's father died. I mean, I don't know, maybe you've lost a parent or someone close to you. Like, like this is a sad situation. He lost someone, and he doesn't seem to really matter very much. And, and, and I don't know, but, but sometimes wealth and property, it can easily divide a wedge between family members. Maybe you've experienced that. Um, just a confession, I can't tell you how many people that I've had conversations with or, or you know, have gotten together with who have, have shared just such troubling stories about like inheritance problems. And sometimes it's before the person passed away. You have siblings that are like arguing over who's going to get what, and they're like fist fight. I have people, um, my, my last church, that like they didn't talk to one another. Like you had brothers and sisters, like they didn't talk to one another after it. And maybe that's been you, but it's, it's kind of sad, right? It's sad. And so Jesus, though, 
Jesus hears this from this guy. Once again, he's talking, talking, talking. This guy's like, hey, tell my brother to buy the inheritance with me. Well, Jesus has something to say to that. And what does Jesus say? Jesus replied, man, he calls him man, man, who appointed me a judge or an arbiter between you? Then he said to them, watch out. So he's not just talking to this guy now. He's like, watch out. Be on your guard against all kinds of greed. Life does not consist in an abundance of possessions. And then he told them this parable. So, so Jesus is not small claims court. His mission is not to settle our little spats about different disagreements. Following Jesus and being a part of his kingdom is not about giving us health and wealth in this case. See, blessing Blessing, Jesus is turning this on its head because blessing is, he's saying that blessing has nothing to do with getting what you want. See, in verse 15, Jesus warns about watching, making temporary material things priority. That things and money add meaning to life, but they are not the meaning of life. They can add meaning, they can help, they can share, but they are not the meaning of life. And Jesus repeatedly warns us over and over again in his teachings about how good things, good things, not bad things, good things are usually the things that get in the way of our relationship with God. And you know what they're called? Idols. Idols. That sometimes we think of idols as being the statue like that people are bowing down to, like the golden calf. Most of the time they're very good things. They're very good things that wind up coming in between our relationship with God. And so, so we see that, that this is an amazing story that Jesus is, is about to tell, that, that Jesus is surprising the people here in the story. And so Jesus is responding to this man as he tells this parable. And, and he's telling this guy that, that it's an, going to be a very, very important story. Be careful what you think is most important. Be careful about what you think is most important. So it's an important story. So then he tells them this parable. He continues. The ground of a certain rich man yielded an abundant harvest. Let's just pause here. So first, just keep that scripture up there. So how is this guy described? How is he described? He's a what man? A rich man. He's rich. And the word that, that Luke is using here is the Greek word pelusios, pelusios. And the Greek usually has like deeper meaning than kind of our English language. But it means being resourced materially. But it also being, means, get this, it also has a deeper meaning, being resourced spiritually. Interesting. That this guy is both resourced materially and spiritually. Basically, it's described as having God's muchness. Having God's gift. And it's also a sign of faith. So in a sense that this word, this word rich, isn't just about that he had a lot of stuff, but also that he was rich in faith. Very interesting. This isn't just a guy off the street that doesn't believe in God, that doesn't do anything, that just kind of like lives his own. This is a faithful man. And that's what he's indicating here. But also see in the verse, the abundant harvest. What yields the abundant harvest? The ground. The ground. Now, I don't know about you, but I have no control over the ground. You know, I would consider myself as one of those people who has trouble growing things. I know other people have other things. Um, sometimes I call myself the black thumb. 
And I've been gifted some plants from people that um, do not require watering or any care, and I still wind up hurting them. But, um, but the ground, right? The ground is something you have no control over. Like, you can do certain things, but ground is something you have no control over. So we have a rich man who has a lot of things, but he's also a spiritual dude who is having an abundant harvest that results from things that he really didn't cause. So Jesus continues, hold on to that thought. He thought to himself, this, this man, what shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. Then he said, this is what I'll do. I'll tear down my barns and build bigger ones, and there I'll store my surplus grain. And I'll say to myself, self in some translation, self, you have plenty of grain laid up for many years. Take life easy, eat, drink, and be Mary. So let's just pause here, because on the surface, this doesn't seem like we have anything in common with this guy, right? I mean, how many of us like are growing things and putting them into barns and you know, some situation, maybe if you live in Lancaster County, it's a different situation. But let me ask you this. Have you ever had a garage sale? Have you ever carried one load or 20 loads to Goodwill? Have you ever had a hard time finding room in your basement for something you weren't using anymore because it was already full of stuff you weren't using anymore? Right? Do you have a storage unit that you have stuff that you haven't looked at in several, maybe years? So we can relate. We have things. And, and he seems like a wise and a responsible person, too. That we see his plan is a good one. He can buy now and save later, you know, for his family, maybe for kids. And, and it's a great plan if you think about it. It's kind of like the American dream, right? You get the harvest, you put it away, and isn't this kind of like what we're encouraged to strive for? He's in, worked hard, he saved wisely, now he can sit back, relax, and enjoy the fruits of his labor. You could pretty much, he's pretty much one at life. He's blessed. Doesn't he seem blessed in so many ways? I mean, think about it. Like, if we look at ourselves, like a lot of time, you know, consider, well, I'm not blessed, like things aren't going right. Like, actually, our very means of living here and living even in this country, compared to many other places around the world, we are very, very, very rich. We don't recognize it. I mean, I was at um, camp with the kids' camp on our Nazarene district two weeks ago, and um, every meal we had in the dining hall, if you've ever been to camp or college or whatever, and um, I have to say, like, I never want to see another chicken nugget for, like, the next, like, year. Um, but there was so much food. There was so much food. I mean, there were kids, I have, like, some kids, you know, they're on their own, they get to do things, like, who wants seconds? It's like, bam, right? And they're, like, filling their plates up. I'm looking, like, where do they put it, right? Like, where do they put it? They're like, I mean, I know they're running around and that kind of stuff, but I'm looking around, like, all this food, wow. Like, we're blessed. Like, we have so much. And so, think about that. Like, in this guy's situation, he had so much. He had so much that it looked like he was very blessed, and so thought everybody in Jesus' audience that he's telling this story to. But then Jesus gets a little surprised because he says this. But God said to him, you fool, you fool. I don't know how you say fool. Fool, fool, right? Well, but this is crazy. Put yourself in Jesus' audience. They would have been taken aback by this. 
Because what this guy is doing is the normal expected thing for every faithful person to do. He was smart, he achieved the goal, he's living the dream. So clearly there's some kind of disconnect. It, it, like Jesus, what, please ex- expand on that. Well, Jesus continues, he says, well, he tells, he tells him, you fool, this very night your life will be demanded from you. Then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? That's pretty nice. That's a nice response. In other words, you're out of time even though you're not out of grain. You're out of time even though you're not out of money. You're out of time, and, and that's going to be the story for most of us, right? That's, that's the story. We're out of time, and what does God ask? Who will get what you have prepared for yourself? Well, the answer is somebody else. Somebody else, but not because this man was generous. It was because he was dead. Jesus is not saying that the guy should have just spent it all faster and he shouldn't have stored it in barns, he should have used it up. What he's saying here is that in our consumption, this guy had nothing left, nothing meaningful left to show for his life. And it's an important lesson, and I think it's really summed up in Jesus' last words of this parable, where he says, This is how it will be with whoever stores up things for themselves but is not rich towards God. That's the lesson here. Ooh, right? Puts things in perspective. Uh, You know, that that sometimes we, we realize it too late what is most important. I don't know, you know, if you've gone about your life and then there's been a turn of events or a shift in priorities, and you've been like, oh, I wish I would have done that earlier. Like, you know, looking back on your teens, your 20s, or being like, oh, man, I wish I would have done this. Like, you know, those, those kind of thoughts and feelings that, that sometimes we don't realize what is most important when it's standing right in front of us. Uh, a couple years back, it was a 99-degree September day in San Antonio, Texas, and there was a 10-month baby girl who was accidentally locked inside a parked car by her aunt. And her mother and her aunt ran frantically around the car. One went home to try to get the extra key. And imagine, it's 99 degrees, and the temperature is rising inside this car. And there was a neighbor there who tried to unlock the car, got a clothes hanger, is trying to put it through. It was unsuccessful. And they could tell that this little baby was not doing well. She was not only perspiring, but she was starting to turn colors. And there was a guy named Fred, who was a tow truck driver. Fred was driving by, and he saw this frantic situation, and he stopped, and he reached into his truck, and what did he take out? A hammer. And he walks up, and the aunt is sitting there and says, no, don't break the window. Don't break the window. Like, we're trying to work. Don't break the window. And he said these words. He says, what was more important, ma'am, the baby or the window? And he smashed it and rescued the child. And the aunt had to pay $235 to replace her car window. Don't let it be too late to realize what's most important. That sometimes we just let things go and and then it's too late. And sometimes our priorities, they shift and they get out of order. And sometimes not even thinking about it. But we need a reminder of what's most important. See, the rich farmer... He was not a fool because he was wealthy or because he saves for the future. He was a fool because the most important thing was that he lived for himself and what he has. See, when the rich man talks in this parable, do you notice that he only talks to himself 
about himself, and the only person he refers to is himself. Even though supposedly he is a faithful person. You know, stepping back, I think we can look at our own language. How much do we talk about me? How much do I talk about myself? And the rich guy's land has produced abundantly, but he expresses absolutely no sense of gratitude to God or think about it. The workers who were working to help get him there with the harvest, I doubt he did that all, right? There is not one mention of the people that helped him to get where he was. See, he has more than he would ever hope to use, yet he had no thought of sharing it and no thought of what God might expect of him. See, he's blind to the fact that his life is not his own, that his life belongs to God, and that all of that can change in an instant. So have you recognized, have you realized that, that sometimes who and what we think is so important, maybe in the kingdom of God isn't as important? And I don't think it's because God doesn't want us to save for retirement or for our future needs or a rainy day or, or to even enjoy life. I mean, we know from the Gospels, uh, we talked about this in a series back last fall, but Jesus spent a lot of time eating and drinking and socializing with people and enjoying life but he was clear about where his true security lay. See, see, many times in people's faith journey, it begins realizing that there's something missing. Maybe that's your story. Maybe you've achieved things, you've gotten things every in your life, and there was still a sense of emptiness because shallow values do produce empty victories. That you might have gotten what you want and still felt empty and are still searching. And the culture will always pull us towards a story to describe our lives as this, as she ate, she drank, she got married, she did this, and she died. That's what the world communicates. That's what life should be about. You ate, you drank, you got married, you did this, you accomplished that, and you died. And we know people that that was their story. Nobody chooses that on purpose. But Jesus is saying here, what's most important is that in everything, not just our finances, that's a very important part, but, but in everything, it's about being rich towards God. Being rich towards God. Um, John Wesley, so several um, centuries ago, John Wesley, he was kind of the founder of the Methodist movement from which our denomination kind of came off of. Um, he has a whole bunch of amazing sermons that I hope one day we can do kind of like some spin-offs of because they're really, really good stuff, um, some kind of very intense things. But he has a sermon that he wrote um, called The Use of Money. And he describes, like, basically, like, as faithful people of God, how should we use money? And, and a statement from that sermon where he, he unpacks these phrases um, has really stuck with me when I first studied this in seminary. And he says this, earn all you can, save all you can, give all you can. Earn all you can, save all you can, give all you can. See, the priority, the reprioritizing happens when contribution comes to the priority list. <laughs> that we reprioritize around contribution rather than consumption. Moving from what's the bottom of our list to the top. And, and I think that's a good question to ask And how we're using ourselves, our time, our money, and our gifts. Are we more about consuming or are we more about contributing? 
Because once those things get out of line, it's very easy to wind up just being a consumer of everything. And yes, this has to do with, with tithing, with giving to the church, you know, and I would encourage you, you know, the, the monies that we receive here, this is not about the church, this is about you. It's a spiritual practice. It's saying, hey, I'm contributing and I'm trusting God first, you know, to provide for my needs, but it's a spiritual practice about placing those things first in God's hands and then using the rest. Once again, earn all you can, save all you can, give all you can. It's do it not to be blessed. You know, some preachers will tell you, oh, if you give them out, God's going to bless you like crazy. Like, like sometimes things happen, but that's not all the time. But we don't do it to be blessed, but we do it to be a blessing. To be a blessing. And that's how the early church, the early church relied on people coming together to supply for the needs of one another. And, and it goes for everything else, too. You know, to ask, you know, do you participate? When there's help that's needed, stepping in to help. Here, but also in your neighborhood, when there's opportunities to step in and to give your time or of yourself, or many of you are, have gifts and talents that can be shared for others. Those opportunities, when it becomes less about the farmer, about me, myself, and I, and more about using those opportunities, contributing to others, and to sharing with others. And not just what we have, but the hope that Christ has given us. That not doing things to be blessed, but doing them because you are called to be a blessing. And my daring prayer um, every week is, God, show me what's important from your perspective. The shaping prayer at the beginning of my week to pray, God, show me what's most important from your perspective. And I'll say this, that the collision often results. That God messes up my plans and what I thought, but it's mainly to bring into alignment his values and his priorities with mine. And I don't know about you, but I don't want to come to the end of my life realizing that I wasted my energy on things that thought I thought was important that really weren't. To, that I ended my life wasting what I was given monetarily, financially, and also gifting-wise on things that would fade away or be passed on. Uh, that I wouldn't want to come to the end of my life realizing I wasted my life on things that were not important. That it's about who God is in our lives. It's about having our lives fundamentally aligned towards ourselves and our passing desires, but also towards God and others and being a part of God's mission to bless and redeem the world. So what's most important? Well, Jesus says being rich towards God with all that we are, all that we have. But what's most important in your life? He leaves that answer to you.